1: Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Mark Gober, who is a brilliant curator and researcher of various scientific papers and books about consciousness, biological processes, psychic phenomena, near-death experiences, and quantum physics. He's the author of several books, including An End to upside-down contact, UFOs, aliens, and spirits, and why their ongoing interaction with human civilization matters. I'm speaking with Mark at his home by remote connection. Mark, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe.
2: Thank you for having me, Justine.
1: Oh, it's great. Thank you for showing up for me and for our listeners. Tell me, what does your research? reveal about the reality or the fantasy of alien contact? Are they real?
2: Well, generally, I would say I do not think we are alone, meaning there are other intelligent beings that exist in the universe, some of which appear to be in the physical dimension, but others seem to be in other dimensions, meaning they're not physical somehow, and yet they are highly intelligent and can interact with our dimension and seem to be doing so not only in this era, but Looking back in history, they've been doing it all over the world.
1: When you say back in history, I mean, you're talking about thousands of years. There are depictions in writings, even in cave paintings or carvings that shows that they've been around for a long time. Maybe even they seeded the human species itself.
2: It's possible. And I agree with you. This art, especially cave art, Can be in the range of 20,000 years, thousands of years that we can look back and see that they're depicting beings that appear to be non human. So that's pretty interesting. But also looking back at ancient scripture, whether it's biblical literature or just spiritual writings or mythologies from all over the world, often those cultures talk about interacting with beings that were godlike or they were spirits. There were some kind of intelligence that were not human, and they were having an impact on those societies.
1: Exactly. And it's still around today. We can read about it. Like we have the Old Testament. There are different depictions in the book of Enoch, I think, and also Ezekiel's vision. And in other ways, even going to the New Testament and having Jesus when he went out into the wilderness and got tempted by some form you know, maybe that was an alien that tempted
2: Jesus. Yeah, I agree with you. I look back at all of these stories now as maybe actual history rather than mythology. Maybe people were describing what they encountered, but it was so difficult to put into language and so extraordinary that people tried to use human language, but it sounded outlandish. And Now, in our modern era with modern science, we feel almost as if we've surpassed the superstition of of the old eras, but maybe they were much more advanced in certain ways. They were having supernatural experiences that are very real, but they're sort of outside of our ordinary dimensional perception.
1: Somehow I'm remembering reading in your research, going back to possibly not a benevolent context, so to speak. There may be many different alien species. So we're not talking about just. One species are we?
2: No, that's an important point. It seems to be diverse in that uh, there not only are the some of the beings physical versus multi-dimensional, but there are actual species that seem to be different. People will report a gray alien, for example, or an insectoid being, or a spiritual being of light, or a reptilian. All these different types of beings, and then even within the species, there seems to be diversity. Where some beings, just like human beings, could be benevolent and saintly, you could have the opposite.
1: So with that, I'm going back to a story that you related about the possibility, and this is going back to biblical times, to the Tower of Babel, where the languages got confused. Suddenly, they couldn't understand
2: one another. Yeah, well, the Bible talks about God, or there are different terms used to describe God. Elohim is one of them that was interacting with humans. And the Tower of Babel example explicitly says that the Lord scattered people on the face of the earth, so they would stop building the city. So there was some intelligence that was intervening, if we take this to be something literal rather than just a mythology. And even the term Elohim, which is traditionally thought of to mean God, is a plural term. And there are some anomalous verses in the Old Testament where the pronoun used is us, which suggests maybe it's a plural. So was Elohim, some people speculate, was this a group of beings that were involved in the creation of humanity? And can we read the Old Testament as, uh, for example, the creation of Adam and Eve? Was that a genetic experiment? Some people theorize that. And even Francis Crick, the co-discoverer of the double helix structure, has theorized something called directed panspermia, which is that maybe we are the creation of other beings, or maybe our existence has been tinkered with.
1: Well, we have not found, I believe, that particular link, the jump between apes and
2: humans. Yeah, my understanding is there are some holes in our understanding. We don't really understand DNA and exactly how the Darwinian process has evolved in the way that they say it did. And some of the alternative theories is that maybe evolution is real in some capacity in that uh, certain traits will be preferred if they enable survival. That is certainly a real phenomenon. But at the same time, if there were advanced beings that alter DNA, maybe that could explain certain things we don't understand. There's also junk DNA, quote unquote junk DNA, which is not well understood. (laughs) What is that?
1: Yeah, we call it junk. Probably, it's just our lack of understanding. Nature never wastes anything, as far as I understand. And so I don't suspect that there's any junk in nature.
2: Yes, and I I wonder whether DNA is related to our spiritual connection in some way. I just think there's so much we don't understand about our own blueprint. It's a relatively recent discovery in modern human history.
1: Oh, that's provocative. DNA as our spiritual
2: connection. I don't have direct evidence for that. That's just kind of theoretical. But it makes me wonder. It's our blueprint. And if we are spiritual beings, then our blueprint in some way should have an impact.
1: I want to ask you, in all your research, and especially alien contact, are you hopeful for humankind?
2: Mm. I would say I'm really confused, Justine. The more I learn, I don't really feel like I understand what's going on. I think there is a light, dark battle, if you want to call it that in human terms. There are energies that move us toward love or unconditional love, which people experience in transcendent consciousness states like a near-death experience or psychedelics or meditation. That seems to be a reality. But we also see a lot of extreme darkness, demonic-type energies even, which is written about in the Bible and um, Aztecs used to sacrifice people. There are some really dark stuff that exists too. So I think the task is for the humans to make a choice. And it starts with the individual. That's how I see it. Each of us is going to choose. Are we going to move toward the state of love and interconnectedness or fear and suffering? We get to choose individually. And probably the fate of humanity is how many of us can start to choose the positive and what the critical mass is, so to speak. Maybe it doesn't have to be 100% of us. Maybe it's a smaller number that can have a disproportionately positive impact.
1: Right, right. That just reminds me. That it seems, and I know that you've researched this a bit and reported on this, that human beings have a tendency to want to have a savior, to want to give away our power, so to speak, to give away to authority figures, whether they be royalty or idols or or superstars, that we allow ourselves to be hijacked by the elites. So I guess what I'm hearing you say is that we need to be conscious of that and then protect ourselves in some way.
2: Yeah. And I think what you're describing ties in with so many spiritual traditions where people talk about personal evolution. A lot of it comes back to personal responsibility and the control over our own mind and our own decisions rather than exporting our responsibility and giving others authority over us. So there's something about sovereignty of the individual, uh, which translates into the collective to acknowledge that we are this individual that has this innate spiritual connection and it's our duty in some ways, to embody that in the best way that we can.
1: So then when we're offered this choice, the more we could realize this is a choice. This is not a fait accompli, so to speak. Here we are in this moment in time. I can make a choice towards the light, towards goodness, or towards that which is not benefiting life.
2: Exactly. And that is a lot of responsibility on the individual. And when thought about from a spiritual lens, something I consider a lot is, what are the repercussions of choosing one over the other? Whether it's karma, that concept, or something like it, are there spiritual ramifications to our actions? So in many spiritual traditions, they talk about paying very close attention to all of our intentions, what we intend, and also our actions, uh, words, thoughts, and deeds, some people will say. And I do think it is important because we just don't know how significant it might be.
1: So this can be an antidote. If there are multiple alien species and not all of them are benevolent, then that is our antidote against any forces that may be Want to do something that's harmful or to take us into a kind of slavery or to work for their benefit rather than the benefit of life on the planet.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. So, my current hypothesis, just looking at all the evidence and especially looking at some of the really, really dark stuff where people try to invoke demonic energies, it seems that those demonic energies feed off of fear and suffering and negativity. And if that is, let's say, the dark side, the evil, so to speak, Then moving away from that, moving toward love and positivity, it it easily could be an antidote. And those people who have experienced some of these energies, that's the theme they come away with, is that there's a lot of power in moving toward a state of love rather than a state of fear.
1: I love that. And I've given a lot of thought about good and evil and everything. And I think what I've come up with is that fear and evil or that which is destructive of life, does not have the same, I'm going to call it glue Mm -hmm. or attraction, that love has. Love has a natural tendency to hold things together. Our earth is in love with our sun. It's called gravity, but it's a kind of glue. And I feel there's something there that is stronger than the destructive forces.
2: Yeah. You're reminding me of a case I talk about in the book, and End Upside Down Contact, someone who is a victim of horrific things and encountered these dark beings and people who wanted to invoke the dark beings. He said that these beings seem to feed off of negativity, but... This field of love that we're all a part of is much stronger than it. And the darkness understands that. So the goal is to try to obstruct humanity and keep it out of the state of knowledge.
1: Well said. Oh, so may we stay in knowing that the light is always there and the darkness is not as big as the light. So Mark, I want to thank you so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe today.
2: Well, thank you again for having me.
1: I've been speaking with Mark Gober. He's a curator of research on contact with alien entities and also many other subjects. So just look him up on his website. He's the author of The End to Upside-Down Contact, UFOs, Aliens, and Spirits, and Why Their Ongoing Interaction with Human Civilization Matters. And you can go to his website, markgober.com, and he spells his last name G O B E R, markgober.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1700 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Thoms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do, join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973